Hey everyone, um, welcome to an in-between show, yeah. and this episode got away from us real fast. It did. <laughs> so what you're about to hear is part one of a two-part conversation, which I think <laughs> might, should probably be a six-part conversation, but I didn't feel yes. like doing that much editing. Um, so this is, this is Corey and I talking about, about the... The okay. prequels. The prequels. The to, Star Wars prequels yes, films. The Star Wars prequels films. And in between each film, us talking about it, you will hear us interviewing someone that we like and someone mm-hmm. we respect their opinion on Star Wars and wanted to get their perspective leading into Force Awakens. Uh, obviously, this is one of the most hyped movies of all time. And yes. so I feel like... <laughs> I feel like to do it justice, we had to split this episode up into into two parts. So this episode is some interviews and us talking about the prequel trilogy. Yes. As always, um, this will probably be very controversial. So let us know what you guys think. Um, You know, email us, comment on Facebook. We want to hear your thoughts about the prequels. Do you like them? Do you love them? Do you hate them? Could you do without them? Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Um, Also, before we get into the episode, I understand, nerds, that if you get into the Expanded Universe, uh, Master Sifo-Dyas is a real character, and he (laughs) appears in Season 6, Episode 10 of the Clone Wars animated series that was on Netflix, uh, even though he's supposed to be dead. And I do say that he is Darth Sidious in this, and uh, I came to find out later that, yes, he was originally supposed to be Darth Sidious using a pseudonym in early drafts of the script, but that is not the case if you dig into the expanded universe. So <laughs> leave all your comments and emails <laughs> in your brains. I figured that out while well, I was editing this episode. Put your pitchforks so. down. Yes. So <laughs> without further ado, here is us talking about the Star Wars prequels. So first things first, I guess, we should uh, get right down to it. We've decided that we're doing the films in chronological order. Yep, all of them. All six of them. And so let's kick it off with uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. So the prequels are the story of Anakin Skywalker growing up to become Darth Vader. Yes. That's the, the overarching main base level plot of these three prequel films. Mm-hmm. And it starts off with two Jedi who are members of the Jedi Council going to a trade federation ship to talk about the taxation of trade routes into this sort of hub planet called Naboo. Yes. <laughs> oh. And from there, hijinks ensue, and they meet the the boy who would become Vader on his home planet of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. They watch him do a NASCAR race, and... Then they go back to Naboo and have a battle uh, with a spiky-headed Sith Lord. Who is awesome. Who is awesome. And that's basically it. Uh, in summation. In summation that. There's also some uh, floppy-eared fish people. Yes. Iconic Star Wars character that George Lucas has ever created. Yes. Uh, or at the very least, most infamous. Yes. <laughs> so, so all right. So, so what? What do you think about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Corey? What do I think? Well, I think we should, we should in starting on this one, we should also kind of like frame when this one came out, like kind of what what was the state of fans, Star Wars fans, like kind of the movie world as people were expecting this film. It had been how many years since Return of the Jedi? Oh gosh, fourteen. Yeah. So. 
Over 10, almost. No, not 14. Nope. 17. Wait. 16. Wait. Return of the Jedi came out in... 83. We're bad at math. I, I 16. Apologize. <laughs> 16. Sorry, everyone. Suffice it to say, it had been quite a while. And so, you know, I was, I was very young. And so maybe our eyes are not the best for kind of like looking around and seeing like how things were. But I... From looking back retrospectively and like listening to different people who talk about this, there was a substantial amount of hype coming up to Phantom Menace. Very and, much so. You know, it was basically like fanboys and people just like it was it was the thing that everyone was like, Star Wars is coming back and George Lucas is here and he's at the forefront of it and it's the helm and it's gonna be awesome. And I feel like there was all this anticipation and all this hype and what we got was something that no one really expected in terms of like new things that were pioneered. I mean, we did get a Star Wars film, but I think right. it was, I think it, there's a lot of things that you and I can both agree on that were very different from the original trilogy. Yes. Yes. And as a result, um, people did not like that. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, it is, it is very different yes. from, from the original trilogy. I just, watched the three prequels today and I will be watching the original trilogy next next weekend mm-hmm. and um, they I mean it's apples and oranges yeah not even talking about quality yet just the direction the story yeah. heads and and the way the film is structured is 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 very not like the original trilogy yeah so that already change is not good for <laughs> most people no so base level on that um, they Fans did not like the it. culture was shocked. Yes, the, the the Star Wars culture was very much shocked. And I remember I went to go see this film. I think after it was like the su- it came out the summer. I think between my third and fourth grade year in school. So okay. I, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember watching it. And like you know, back then I had seen all the Star Wars movies and I loved them and you know continued to watch them and. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was just like, this felt different. And, you know, as a kid, like, that's about the most I could, like, muster up. I, you know, I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, like, Star Wars, it's awesome. And this guy's kind of like Darth Vader. But, you know, like, as a kid, there's only so much I can explain. And so I guess kind of, like, retrospectively, kind of having grown up and having, like, more, I guess, like, nuanced tastes and stuff like that. Phantom Menace does a lot of things that I guess you would say one might call innovate, um, that try different things, and I don't think that it succeeds on all of those things. Okay. And uh, so some of the biggest problems I have with the film, well, maybe I'll start with the positives. Okay. All right. (laughs) Positive things. I think um, Phantom Menace and the prequels as a whole expanded the universe it built the world around us, which I liked. You know, it could have been really easy to like, oh, let's just be on the same planets we've already seen or kind of like have a very similar story. And so in that way, they like expanded the universe tremendously. And I really appreciated that. Um, so, you know, we got to see even places that we've seen like in the original, you know, trilogy, we got to see them differently. So we saw Tatooine in like a very different context of like, Oh, you know, Anakin and his mom are slaves and like, you know, there's pod racing, like this type of gambling that's pretty cool. And so there's all these kind of different facets that we did get to see about things. So I think that was something it did well. I think giving us the character, like the kind of origin story of Anakin, I think the overall, the overarching story, you know, Grand will get into like nuances of performances and stuff later, but I think the overarching story is good. 
right. of, you know, him being slowly corrupted, maybe not so slowly corrupted in, like, Revenge of the Sith, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> I feel like that overall theme is really good. And so I think those are two really big things that the prequel has, like, they have going for it. Um, things that I think didn't work, um, all the political espionage type story, um, I just felt like it, 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 it became very, like, cumbersome and got really convoluted. And, um, you know, not like Star Wars are like, oh, movies where it's like, you're not, you know, you turn your brain off or like, they're just for kids or whatever. They're not. But I just feel like it was such, coming into Phantom Menace, there's so much of it. I just feel like there's so much exposition where it's just like, people are walking and talking or people are standing and talking and there's so much talking and stuff. And I just feel like we just jumped right into it and we didn't really have a lot of, I don't know, context for it. And that, that was totally not what people were expecting. So that the political stuff doesn't work for me. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like crapping on George Lucas the whole time because without him, we wouldn't have star Wars. Like you and I were talking about this earlier. We wouldn't have star Wars without him, but I don't feel like his strengths are... I feel like he's a big idea person. And he... Being able to think up these worlds and dream these worlds are amazing. But I don't feel like he is the most technically proficient screenwriter or... I mean, like, you know, I know he didn't direct all of the original trilogy. But I just feel like maybe his direction, what he was trying to go for, was really different here. And so I feel like for me and for probably, like, a lot of people, it just didn't work. And so Phantom Menace in particular, I just feel like a lot of the performances are very blasé. I feel like, and you know, I know some of that is due to like, they're trying to do a lot of stuff with green screens and a lot of the new CGI technology they're trying to like kind of push forward in this film. And so a lot of people really come across this kind of like, you know, I feel like Queen Amidala is like the prime offender of this. All of her lines, Natalie Portman is speaking in this really weird, just kind of like, that. put down your weapons, we are defeated, we are bested. Like, is this this very kind of like monotony, like... Really stilted. Yeah, stilted. It's like, what are you doing? And not... And I feel everyone suffers a little bit of that. And maybe that has to do with being in front of a green screen and not knowing how to deal with that. But I feel like those are kind of like the, the couple main things for me that like bog down these movies. I feel like there's a lot of good potential, but these problems kind of like hold it back for being, for being like kind of like what I would want in a Star Wars film. That's kind of my side. So MJ. Sure. Um, <laughs> I really like this movie a lot. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a really good movie. And I think <sighs> that the prequels in general, I think that, that you said you, you hit the nail on the head when mm -hmm. you said that they expanded the universe nicely. Yeah. And we'll get into this more in Attack of the Clones. Because I think that that movie has some of the most perfect world building I've ever seen in a movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that as, as a whole, these movies do a good job of showing you different perspectives, um, from within the Star Wars universe, from a different time in the Star Wars universe. This yeah. is pre-Empire existing. Mm -hmm. And we get a sense, we get a really good sense of what life was like before the Empire came to be. And I just think that these movies are crazy ambitious. Because they're crazy ambitious, not everything works. I'm not blind to some of the problems in the movies, but I think that, that they deserve a lot more credit than they get. And so with that, the, the, the thing that works for me the most out of these prequels is every single stitch of the political stuff. 
I love it Ugh. so much. These movies could be freaking The West Wing, and I think <laughs> they would be better. Like, I just think that that the way the politics go down, and I guess maybe I'm still talking about Attack of the Clowns. Uh, Attack of the Clowns. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> that would be horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Attack of the Clones a little bit m- more. Um, here but i I just think that the way all this politics goes down with taxation on trade routes and then the trade federation invading with their army of robots and then they're being like clandestine deals behind closed doors that's exactly how this crap would go down like that's how you get a dictator into power yeah and i i think that it's some of the most realistic depiction of someone ascending to a place of power with the intent of abusing it yeah that we've seen short of a documentary um, and I think it works in spades. Uh, I do understand that it's a little bit convoluted, and that's kind of strange because Phantom Menace, is, particularly Phantom Menace, is very much a kids' movie. But at the same time, it's not because yeah. it's got this like heavy layer of negotiations and the negotiation and negotiations <laughs> and tra- and trade like trade stuff, like stuff about trade routes yeah. and taxation and. You know, and then we get into like a separatist movement yep. uh, forms, and then there's a loyalist movement. Like but kids then don't know what's it, there's yeah. this power play from one of the senators in there who eventually becomes chancellor, and <laughs> he's setting up his pieces in Phantom Menace, even by impeaching the incumbent uh, supreme chancellor. Like there's this like very nuanced government yeah. that's going on in the heart of this movie, where it's got a nine year old boy racing. And there's like a floppy eared fish guy with a niece <laughs> love you. Yeah, with like a borderline racist <laughs> Jamaican accent going on. Like that's very much for children, right? And so so I understand that the movie's like a little tonally confused because it's not yeah. at that point it's not really for anyone. <laughs> and so you, I think you have to put in extra effort to meet the movie halfway. Yeah. And um you know, you really have to be willing to do that and and I think that that the performances are stilted mainly from Natalie Portman, but I'm surprised you didn't mention Jake Lloyd. Well, I mean, I I can, but <laughs> who plays young Anakin? He's awful in this yeah he is but he's not as bad as his counterpart later on um Uh, i don't know (laughs) and so like a lot of his lines are really bad but i think ewan mcgregor turns in very solid work yes in this movie in all three of them Mm -hmm. and he just i think he just gets better and better as the movies progress but i think he's i think he's solid in this one and i think liam eason is solid in this one because liam eason's just a solid actor yeah you know i think there are talented people in this movie I just feel like some of them, like, how would you describe Qui-Gon Jinn? I just feel like he's not, like, fleshed out enough as a character. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, Liam Neeson does, like, a great job with what he has. And I feel like this is, this is for me, kind of, like, a problem that is, like, throughout the prequels. I feel like for the talented people that we have on set, they do a great job with what they have. Like, Ian McGregor has some cringeworthy lines throughout the prequels, and he sells them to me. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and, For sure. and he's great, and I love him. Uh, other actors obviously don't, because they don't have the caliber, uh, Hayden Christensen. But I guess particulars, Phantom Menace, um, some things I do really like. Like we were talking about all the world building, kind of like you get to see like the 
not genesis of the Jedi, but just kind of like how they existed like before we saw like, you know, Star Wars and the Galactic Empire. That's pretty cool. I kind of like seeing Anakin's origin stories. That's pretty cool. Darth Maul is a really cool Sith character. He is. I really like him a lot. Yeah. Some people would argue that's because he has, what, four lines of dialogue to say? Yeah. I think it might be two even. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's got only he might only have two or three lines yeah. in the movie. But he's he's a sweet looking character. Like the yeah. character design is really good. Yeah. And that's something I think that should be appreciated is mm-hmm. there's really cool looking characters in these movies. Yeah. There's really good production design. Like the sets look incredible and there's like just small details that When they're on sets. <laughs> yeah. There's just small details that happen uh in, in these sets that are that are really cool. Yeah. And I think that the movie plays around a little bit with um, traditional structure, and I love that. It's a very linear movie, yeah. so that's not what I mean. But what I mean is when the pod race scene comes around, any other script for this type of movie, it would be an action sequence. It would be some sort of battle with blasters and lightsabers and stuff. Yeah. And the, the this opts for like a 15 or 20 minute pod race sequence, and that's because... George Lucas used to race cars when he was growing up in Modesto. Oh, really? Yep. And he was he was a car guy when he was in high school. Like that was his his love and his passion. Wow. Was was cars and so he wanted to inject that into So it feels like very from the heart once you know that, you know. Yeah. And the scene is exciting. I think the mm-hmm. I think the scene holds up. I know you yeah. had mentioned some stuff earlier about it, but I think the scene holds up really well and it's real exciting and it's it's a little bit too long, I agree. Yeah. But it, I think it's a good scene and it's just refreshing to be like, oh, this would be like a straight up action set piece, but he did something innovative and he did something different and he did something ambitious with it. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd have to give that to the scene. I mean, like my my critique I was talking to you earlier is just kind of it might go on a little bit too long and just like a lot of the shots are not like look like the same shot, but we see like the same type of shot, like from left to right, from left to right. Like I think there's only a couple times where we see the camera move in a different way. And I, I understand people are like, well, in like, if, if it was a NASCAR race, it's like, yeah, that, you know, cause you're going in the same direction, but mm-hmm. because it's kind of a pod race and they're going from one destination to the other, I would have liked to see the, the the camera from like maybe a different angle at one point or the other yeah but the pod race is in laps is it yeah it's three laps well then maybe that's why so Mm. maybe that's yeah you know so but um yeah i mean i i do like it i don't i'm not like unnecessarily hate on you know the pod race and stuff so um what else about phantom menace didn't work for you mj doesn't work um well i mentioned jake lloyd he doesn't really work (laughs) Um, the character of Watto kind of doesn't work for me. He's weird. He's a little racist, too. Yeah. Like, he's this weird Italian stereotype that feels real kind of gross. Yeah. Like, I'm not one to call racism easily in a movie, but man, <laughs> he feels real, like, real greasy yeah. Italian. <laughs> um, and that's, that's kind of strange. Um, I think that for as much as I love the politics, I understand that they don't work. Mm-hmm. And I missed the beginning of the movie. My friends started watching it because I was running a little bit late and I had told them, like, go ahead and start yeah. it without me. And so I missed the opening crawl. Yeah. And all the context was totally lost on me because I haven't seen this movie in a long yeah. time. <laughs> and so I had to walk in and be like, okay, uh, what's going on? Why are they negotiating this trade deal? Oh, okay, because they're getting taxed. 
okay, well, when she's talking to the Senate, she sounds kind of whiny. Like, why? Yeah. Why is that? Oh, no, it's because the Trade Federation invaded with droids. So you have to keep all that together. And then you have to realize that, like, there's, like, a Speaker of the House who's the Supreme Chancellor, which is Chancellor Valorum. But then there's, like, Senator Palpatine. And he's making, like, this big power play for the role of Supreme Chancellor. And so you got to, like, keep that. And some people don't want politics in their Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. But then also Palpatine is also this Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. Yeah. And he's manipulating the Trade Federation. Like, it's very convoluted. Yeah. And and, and I... I think it does slow down the movie ultimately. As much as I love the yeah, politics of it, yeah. I also get it. And so I, it's this weird thing where it does work for me, but I also understand why it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, people coming from like the last Star Wars we've seen is Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's like, yeah, there there is nuance and we'll, we'll talk about that. And it's not like a singular plot, but I mean, it's pretty straightforward of like, you know, good versus evil and yeah you do have it on different fronts but to come from that to this is very like jarring yes it's very jar jarring um pun intended yeah and <laughs> and like boss nass really doesn't work for me i hate that guy i hate that guy so much i hate him way more than i hate jar 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 is at least endearing and likable like boss nass is kind of a d-bag <laughs> I do not like that character and his dumb noises. I don't know. Yeah. He really bothered me watching them this time. He's a weird guy. Yeah. Um, so so I think there's a there's a Gungan in the room that we have to address. Yes, so, there is a Gungan. <laughs> there's a Gungan in the room that we haven't <laughs> talked about yet, and that's Jar Jar Binks. Um, Jar Jar is, I don't even want to say one of the most polarizing characters in movie history. He's one of the most hated characters yes. in film yes. history. Yes. Uh, people find him annoying. Uh, people find him racist. People find him just just an, offensive um, on so many yeah, levels. offensive on so many levels. So, where do you stand with Jar Jar Binks? Uh, I I don't go as far as to be like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm offended. You know the racial stereotype. I can see how people can see that because it's kind of like really you had to give him like the Jamaican accent and kind of play that up. But I mean, I just kind of see him as like he's. He's, he's a superfluous character. He doesn't need to be there. I know he's supposed to kind of be like the comic relief for kids, but I just feel like a lot of the stuff that maybe it's like, oh, he's going to be like this endearing, funny, lovable character. It's just it, a lot of those things for me just don't work. And even as a kid, I was just like, he's weird. He's like a weird like frog fish thing. And like, why does he keep putting his tongue in places where it doesn't... <laughs> need to go anyway um so so yeah i mean i i really dislike jar jar but it's not to like the degree of hate that some people are like oh he's racist and lucas was trying to make some you know political statement with him it's like no that's that's crazy so that's me what about you um i i don't want to go so far as to say i love the character mm-hmm. but he's fine like i don't have a problem with him yeah um, he provides some funny stuff like i really like the scene where they're eating dinner and they're talking about pod racing, and like you said, he's sticking his tongue in places it doesn't want. He's yeah. eating the fruit out of the bowl, yeah. and Qui Gon like grabs his tongue. Um, I like th- that scene. Always makes me laugh. I think that's a really funny scene. Their first scene together, he's like after he saves him, he's like the ability to speak does not make one wise. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And so I think I think there's like little moments that Jar Jar has. Uh, I don't find him grating or annoying the way some people do. Like yeah. I know people have like really big problems. With- <laughs> How annoying his... I understand where you're coming from, but he's, yeah. he's he's not really offensive to me on any sort of level. I get why he's in there. Once again, it's kind of a kid movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's about a little boy, and it, it 
so he's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do not have any ill will towards Jar Jar whatsoever. <laughs> um, Please don't be in the new movie. Yeah. His, his expanded role is a little strange, but... Um, yeah. yeah. But we'll get into that as we get into the uh, episodes two and three. I thought of another thing that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Anakin's birth. Yeah, that's weird. It's, it's like... very strange, and we'll talk about this more in the third one. Yeah. Because they kind of pay it off, but only it only feels like that they forgot, <laughs> and someone reminded them, so that's why they paid it off. Yeah. But Anakin's birth story is that his mother doesn't know who the father is <laughs> which implies one of two things that she just got around so much that she has no idea which of these guys is the father yeah or it was like a virgin birth situation where he was just formed out of midichlorians yeah and oh, midichlorians yeah so midichlorians are the thing <laughs> in your blood that make you adept at using the force I do think that the origin of, like, he's just formed by midichlorians in her womb is kind of stupid. Yeah. Kind of real stupid. Kind of um, dumb. Yeah. And so, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that in the, in the third picture, but... Yeah. The, the way they set it up in Phantom Menace is clumsy and stupid. And I do think that, that Phantom Menace has some pacing issues. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it feels like we were like, wow, a lot of stuff has happened a half an hour into this movie. And then it slows down for the yeah, when they like, get to Tatooine. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So it's like, it's very peaks and valleys as far as pacing goes. And so it's, it's, it's not a consistent movie. Yeah. But it's a movie I appreciate for um, bringing us into this era of the like, Star Wars universe. Yeah. This, this period of time, this within the movie, this period of time, yeah, that's taking place, this pre-empire world, yeah. Um, I think, I think all of that outweighs the more technical issues mm -hmm. with the movie. Yeah, and it's not like we're we're blind to the technical issues, but I feel like I'm one of those people where it's like I can appreciate the uh, the the strides, the endeavors, the new creative like things that he tried. And I can appreciate that, but it's not necessarily my favorite. So it's right. like if somebody was like, how do you feel about the prequels? I I don't hate them, but I, they're not really like my favorite mm -hmm. thing to watch. Um, but, you know, I know there's some people who are like, oh, I can't even see them again. Yeah. Like, I, I hate them. Yeah. So Those people are wrong. They're not that bad. <laughs> um, so uh, one last thing yeah. before I know we'll probably need to transition to the next one. But... Yes. One other thing that's awesome about the prequels is the music. Oh, we, yes. We haven't talked about the music, but yeah. music it is half of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. And John Williams delivers, whether or not like you like the prequels or not, the score on all three of these films, they're just amazing. They're really, really good. And just and just think about it, like, you know, you have you have the original trilogy. And, you know, like, what do we say is, like, 15 years removed from that, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, George Lucas comes in and he's like, I'm, you know, we're going to do this, Star Wars again, and I want you to create these completely new themes. And, you know, it's like there is some of the uh, some of the old Star Wars stuff mixed in there, but generally, for the most part, it's new stuff. Yeah. And, man, for me, it works. Yeah. Duel of the Fates is amazing. That's an amazing song. It's overplayed. People used it in too many of their YouTube videos. Yeah. But that song holds up, man. Yeah, it when does. that music starts at the last lightsaber battle in that movie, it's on for me. Yes. I love that part of the movie because of it. It's so good. You know, like we'll talk about the other two, but you know, the the theme 
uh, Battle of the Heroes in Episode 3. It's mm. so good when Obi-Wan and Anakin are fighting, and it's just like, it's just a testament to John Williams. Just, uh, he's so good. Yeah, and even, even if the movie has pacing issues or it's stilted dialogue... The music hits at the perfect time. Like yes. every music cue is perfect yes. in all three yes. of these movies. Yes. Like John Williams knows exactly when to time the music to the movies. And it's it's incredible. And it takes a scene that like, you know, maybe technically or like the writing that might be like, depending on how much you hate these, might be like a D level scene and it pushes them up to like B minus for me. Yeah. So Yeah. Um yeah, John Williams is is a freaking genius. Yes. And one of I mean, just one of the all time greats in, in cinema history and uh i think this proves it yeah um, you know especially if you said like if you really hate the prequels <laughs> they can be elevated by some of the musical yeah man yeah so. and i love the end theme the celebration theme yeah when when with the little like gungan horns and stuff and the like sweet drums that's yeah. a really cool song that's pretty fun yeah i really like i like that song a lot yeah so i guess that'll do it on phantom menace yeah <laughs> um, so let's cut to an interview. We don't know who the interview's going to be with yet. We'll uh, cut them together and see who it is. So, surprise you. Yep, we'll surprise you. So we'll be back after that interview to talk about episode two. Hey, everybody. We're back with another interview. And so we have special guest with us, Katie Johnson. Hi. Hi, Hi Katie. Katie. <laughs> We're glad that you're here. Um, Katie is a big Star Wars fan. Whenever she hangs out with us, uh, we always get talking about Star Wars. So I was like, we should have Katie on. Yep. <laughs> Share her thoughts and opinions about Star Wars. So, I guess just right off the bat, Katie, like, what's your history with Star Wars? Um, well, I kind of grew up with it. Um, I come from a Star Wars family, if you will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have two older brothers that um, were watching it since they were real little, and so just growing up with the original trilogy was fun, and then um, I remember when the prequel um, trilogies came out, um, just going to see those with my brothers and with my family, Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's been in my family a while. <laughs> probably like ever, like as far back as you can remember, probably. Yep. Watching Star Wars. Kind of like one of those movies that, well, the original trilogy, anyway. Um, it's like those movies that you don't remember not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why is Star Wars, in your opinion, why is it so important to our culture at large why are people so hyped about this movie and why is it still around after 40 plus years and three movies that are genuinely disliked by <laughs> huge swaths of the population Minus like MJ. that would that would kill any <laughs> franchise i feel like yeah i mean i i think it kind of off the hobbit like yep <laughs> so so why what makes star wars different well, I mean, I obviously I wasn't born when the originals came out, mm. but from my understanding, they were very, very popular from the beginning. Um, just the new concept and um, maybe a different take on a space movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think just the popularity of the first, the original trilogy, bulked up the, the prequel when those came out because yeah. it was, there was already such a large fan base that um, I think it just continued. Yeah. And I think now with Disney owning it, it's even bigger. Like, yeah. I just yeah. notice right now, because the new movie's coming out and because Disney now owns it, I see Star Wars everywhere. Yep. Every store I go to, I'm like, oh, there's Star Wars. <laughs> there's 
Star Wars. It's kind of bananas. Yeah. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Especially nowadays. Like, you go to Target, you're like, oh, Star Wars, like, mm-hmm. gum. Star Wars shoes. Yep. Star Wars, like, everything. Yeah. I walked into Kohl's the other day and, um... Just looking to my right, I was like, oh, look, Star Wars shirts. I walk farther. Look, more Star Wars shirts. You go throughout the store and just everywhere you look, yeah, there's something. <laughs> I bought a pair of Star Wars shoes at Kohl's. I because... saw the. Are they like uh, Converse? Yeah, they're like Vans. Like Vans, okay. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's everywhere. I go yeah. to the like, gas station and they have like... Yeah. Oh, here's yeah. here's like water cups that look like C-3PO and R2-D2 <laughs> and a Stormtrooper. That's it's like I don't need I don't need to be sold yeah. Star Wars at the gas station, I know. man. Like, I'm gonna go see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing; it doesn't need to be sold yeah. no. at all. It doesn't. It's like everyone's gonna go see this movie. Yeah. Um, yep. So, Katie, what are like? Who are some of your favorite characters in Star Wars? Oh man, I think my all-time favorite character from since since from when I was real young has always been Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because. The first movie that he's in, Empire Strikes Back, yeah. um, when you first see him, he's kind of goofy and funny, and I think just as a kid, I connected with that, because, you know, what kid doesn't like a goofy, funny yeah. character? And he's a Muppet, so... And, yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. fun, and, yeah. he, and he's kind of cute, you know? Yeah. <laughs> cute little Muppet. Um, so he's always been my favorite, and I remember even when, I think, episode two came out, <laughs> and he um, finally... How, like, you saw his lightsaber, and he finally fought yeah. you know, Count Dooku, and I was so excited, because I was like, yes, you're in a fight! the best part of that film. <laughs> it's up there, man. That is one of the best parts of that movie, and I love that movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Yoda, he is, he's awesome. Um, so, Katie, what are, uh, what are just some of your, like, most memorable, like, favorite scenes or moments, like, throughout all of the films? Goodness. Like, iconic um, things for you. You're like, yes, like, I'll watch this whole movie just to see that scene. <laughs> I don't know if I have one. Oh, I don't know. I like... I definitely like the scene with Yoda in Empire Strikes Back where he's acting goofy. And obviously he's kind of playing Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With the flashlight? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that one's fun. Um, and if you're, if one of your favorite scenes is the Battle of Hoth, you don't have to watch the whole movie. Yeah, that's true. The and then yeah, yeah. just turn it off. Done. <laughs> well, Katie, in expectation to you know episode seven, kind of what are your hopes and expectations for this film? I mean, we're we're riding this hype wave, or we're trying not to like ride the hype wave too much. But mm-hmm. what are what are your expectations or thoughts revolving all of this? Well. Since George Lucas is not writing and directing them this time, yeah, um, I'm hoping that the dialogue will be better. Yeah, um, it so far it looks like it's gonna be good. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying not to have too high of expectations of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not disappointed, but yeah, I think either way I'll probably like it just because it's Star Wars. Yeah, unless it has like totally different feel that. I- yeah. Than, than a Star Wars feel, you know? But I get that they're but trying I, to channel... Seems, it seems like it does... It seems yeah. like it, it's going to be good, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully. <laughs> I am cautiously optimistic. I think that's That's kinda, a good way to describe it. <laughs> I think that's a consensus, right, MJ? As cautiously optimistic? Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I would put the qualifier of cautiously yeah. in front of it for me. I think I'm, I'm just optimistic about it. Yeah. Are you going to be there opening night? Do you have tickets yet? Do you... I, I don't think I'll be there opening night. <laughs> that would be nice, but don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I have to work that night. I'll be there in cosplay. No, I won't. No, I won't. <laughs> that would be the best. That would be awesome. I did go to the midnight showing of Revenge of the Sith. So. Yeah. I went opening weekend of Revenge of the Sith, and that's the only Star Wars movie except for this upcoming one that I have seen opening weekend. And it was like 3 p.m. on a Sunday, and it was <laughs> packed. It was yeah. crazy. And it was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this uh, Star Wars movie in a theater again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is such a good feeling, because I feel like, you know, I saw all the prequels in theaters yeah. but I feel like for one and two I was so young that like it was just kind of oh yeah that was awesome and like we go to the movies all the time and like because I'm older now I can kind of appreciate like oh I'm seeing Star Wars on the big screen and you know it's like I kind of had some of that when I saw Revenge of the Sith because I was in high school mm-hmm. but it's really cool to be like this is happening again mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so. yeah it is and uh, did you guys see the special editions when they came out in theaters no I didn't in 97 the original trilogy? Yeah. I think I did see Empire. I have okay. them on VHS, though. It's been, I mean, I was pretty young, so I don't know. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw at least one of them. I was, like, the perfect age for that. I yeah. was nine when the special editions came mm-hmm. out in theaters, so... And they all came out the weekend before my birthday. Oh, wow. Um, so that was, like, my birthday present was my brother was into Star Wars, and so he took me. And that was my first time seeing it, and it's super funny, because I have a very vivid memory of trying to fall asleep in the theater during A New Hope. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> because I was just like, this is cool and all, but it's going on for a long time. And I wasn't used to watching 70s movies, you know? Yeah. And, like, that movie's really well-paced, especially for a 70s movie, but it's still a 70s Like, it still looked old. Mm-hmm. And so... They were, like, getting the plans for the Death Star together, and I remember, like, curling up in my seat to take a nap, and then the the Death Star run started, and I was like, okay, I'm into this again. You're like, it's cool again. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah, funny, yeah. because I don't remember doing that during Empire or Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi made my brain explode, but I don't remember doing that during Empire, and that would be way more boring to a kid. There's way more nothing happening in that. N- nothing. Yeah, nothing. Happening. Yeah. I feel like it kind of... I would say Empire moves a little bit faster, yeah, I think. Than, I think really? it does, too. I mean, I guess it depends. That makes sense. It doesn't have to do as much, like, setup. Yeah. Because it's the middle part, and yeah. so you're already familiar with the characters. Like, there's no previously on Star Wars. And there's a lot of, like, you know, cut from Luke, back to Han and Leia, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot, like, a lot of varied stuff going on, whereas mm-hmm. in Star Wars, they're all together all the time. Yeah. So you just kind of have to spend long chunks of time with them. Yeah. But I'm excited. It's going to be sweet. Excited yeah. for uh, episode seven. Yeah. Me too. So, Katie, any uh, any other like just fun Star Wars trivia or anything before we uh, kind of wrap it up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like put you on the spot. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm blanking out. I really like the stormtrooper that hits his head in A New Hope. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Ooh, things. Gag reels. Yeah. Well, that's in the movie. It is in the movie, yeah. yeah. And they, like, they enhance the noise <laughs> for the DVD, when, and it's the best. Yeah, like the remastered ones yeah. they did, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, so a funny. thunk, like, a metallic <laughs> thunk. Oh, on the, so oh it's great. It's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite piece of Star Wars trivia? Uh, 
I mean, one of them that I'm I'm sure most people know, but I just think it's really cool that like Return of the Jedi got like so far down the pipe as like Revenge of the Jedi. Like, oh, the, yeah. they, yeah. but there were posters. There was posters, yeah. and then like at the last minute, somebody like consulted Lucas, and he was like, "Jedi's yeah. don't really take revenge," and yeah, let's try to reword <laughs> this and. It's just kind of like, can you imagine if we had Revenge of the Jedi? <laughs> yeah. Well, we wouldn't have Revenge of the Sith then. Yeah, yeah would it be Return of the Sith? It. That yeah. makes way less sense. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for joining us, Katie. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah. Cool. And uh, we'll see you later. Right. Hopefully we can talk about Star Wars Episode <laughs> 7 and not be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hope. Yeah. Cool. All right. And we're back. For Attack of the Clones. Man, where to start? Where to start? MJ, I'll let you start. Sure. Uh, I love this movie. I love this movie. I don't want to say I like it quite a bit. I love this movie. Okay. I'm I'm wincing in pain for, you know, you guys obviously yeah. can't so, see So, much like with the, the first one, let me give you a basic overview. It's ten years after the events of Phantom Menace. There's an assassin that's been trying to kill former, now former Queen Amidala. She's a senator now, along with Senator Binks. We'll talk about that. And there's someone out to uh, to kill her who's, uh, we learn, is, is actually being funded by someone else. And it's this sort of uh, shadow organization that, ha- that happens to be operating in, in this movie, sort of a... A, Spectre in Star a Wars. A rogue no. nation of sorts. <laughs> um, and and so there's this attempt on, on Amidala's life, or there's several attempts, um, and Obi-Wan and Anakin have been assigned to protect her. There's an attempt on her life. They chase this assassin down, and they find out that she was sent by a bounty hunter. And what happens is Obi-Wan says, Anakin, you stay with... Um, Padme be real creepy until she falls in love with you, <laughs> and I'm gonna go have an adventure of my own while I go try to track down who was sending out these assassins to kill Padme. Politically, what's going on is there's now this separatist movement led by Count Dooku, who's played by Christopher Lee. Yep. And there, and Count Dooku is a former Jedi who has defected from the Jedi Council and uh, or the Jedi Order, and, yeah. and is saying. Um, you know, I I don't agree with really any side that's going on. I'm going to go do my own thing. And it comes to light that the Separatists are now involved with the Trade Federation Yay. again. And uh, they've got this political, like, stuff going on with that. And now Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, a.k.a. Darth Sidious, yep. decides that that's the perfect place for him to move in and be given um, emergency See, executive yeah. power, and that's so that's the crux of 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 two, and and we find out that what that means is there's this army of clones that has been uh, made that yeah. they're going to use to fight the separatists, and the big twist at the end of this movie is that the separatists are actually in line with Darth Sidious bum, and bum, Palpatine bum. because Count Dooku is a Sith Lord. Who yep. has taken the place of Darth Maul because there can only be two Sith at any given time. Yep. And so we find out that it's all been just one, like everyone's been in bed with each other, basically. Yep. Politically. <laughs> and and they're they're orchestrating this uh, eventual takeover that we see in 
episode three. So the, that's the overall crux of, of episode two. They also get captured. The three main characters get captured and there's this big fight on the planet Geonosis. And that's the end of this movie. It ends with the beginning of what is called in the Star Wars canon, the Clone Wars. Yes. So that's the plot in a nutshell. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Attack of the Clones may be my least favorite Star Wars film. Oh, man, I love that movie. Really? I love it. I, love, <sighs> I just watched it today, and I was like, I love this movie. No! No! Okay, so that's, like, the political landscape. Like, what's going on with, like, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme and stuff? I just feel like... Pacing issues all over the place with that, like, uh, and just, just character, the character casting, again, Ian McGregor, I think, is the strong, like, he's the highlight of mm. these films for me. I feel like he does a very good job. Hayden Christensen, I'm just gonna say, I'm not a fan of his acting style. He's awful. Or lack thereof acting, whatever yeah. you want to say. Um, he's horrible. Um, I mean, Natalie Portman got, like, slightly better. She kind of dropped the monotone, whatever, and... I don't know. There's just so many parts of this movie that just don't work for me. Okay. Um, Let's right. start with the positives again. What okay, does yes. work for you okay. in this movie? Man, this might this might be harder than. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess again, like I said, in Phantom Menace. Uh, there's some world building that happens in Attack of the Clones that I can appreciate. Um, uh, when they go to the clone planet, which can you help me out with that? Ki- kimono. Uh, no. Uh, uh, chemotherapy what uh you can look it up um uh, camino camino okay it was close it was a k yeah was i a... knew it was a k okay so <laughs> i'm like derail on my thought uh so when obi-wan goes to kimono camino camino okay so when obi-wan goes to camino i don't even remember like what i was saying this is what works for you in the movie which is apparently okay. the only thing that works for you in the movie <laughs> okay so Again, world building, what works for me. We get to see these different planets. So Kamino, the clone planet, is a good example of that. It expands kind of what we've seen, and we've get, we get to see kind of like these different planets and these different like alien creatures operating there. And, you know, the clone facility, I think that's cool. I have a problem with its place in the story, but we're talking about what works for me. Other things, the music, again, is really good in this film. The... The main track is called Across the Stars by mm. John Williams, and it is very good. Um, and I don't know. I'm I'm kind of racking my brain, scraping the bottom of the okay. barrel. All I right, don't know. Right. I don't know what else works for me. Um, the Okay, so MJ, what works for you? What oh, man, <laughs> so much of this movie works. So much of this movie. The only thing that doesn't work in this movie is Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. And their love story. That's like the centerpiece of the movie. No, it's not. Ugh. I disagree completely. Ugh. Oh man, I love this movie. It's got so many cool things going on in it. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's got this, uh, this like cool like James Bond like Obi Wan Kenobi, Obon Wan Kenobi like, <laughs> or like uh, it's like it feels like a mystery like a or like a '30s noir movie like Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, <laughs> It's so cool, man. Like, it looks like Blade Runner and feels like Blade Runner, but not crappy. Like, <laughs> I, I love that um, Detective Kenobi feel that happens after they find the assassin. And he's like, yeah. I'm going to go to Kamino. And he finds out about Django Fed, and that's the one who sent her. And 
that like that whole battle that ensues with the like uh, the seismic charges in the asteroid field. Yeah, that's the, pretty like, sweet. With the like dope like g- electric guitar noise that they make. Yeah, 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 that's so awesome. And then he ends up going to Geonosis, and that's where he learns about the Separatists, and just all the political landscape works so well for me in this movie because, like I said, it's so realistic. It's so much how that would go down in real life. Um, and how much, like, it would be these, like, weird, like, political backroom dealings. Mm-hmm. And all the adventures on Geonosis is really cool. Like, that gladiator fight at the end. The end of this movie is so strong. So strong when they're in the gladiator arena and they send the monsters after them. And there's, like, they're in danger. But then, like, here comes a crap load of Jedi. And there's, like, lightsabers everywhere. It's, like, the first time we've ever seen the entire Jedi Order mobilized in any sort of way. Yeah. And it's sweet. And then Mace Windu cuts off Jango Fett's head. And um, then, like, Yoda comes down. And there's a bunch of clone troopers. And just, just, like, chaos. But so controlled chaos. Like, I feel like I'm not lost in that scene. And then Yoda and, like... Dooku face off and it's so sweet. Their face off is so cool and like Yoda's a little beast in that mo- in that he scene. Is. Oh man, I love I love this movie a lot. I I'm gonna have to completely disagree with you on that ending. The Coliseum thing, I think it's dumb and uh, uh, okay. So I, I is there is there other things that work for you? Because I'm gonna jump right into what <laughs> does not work for me. No, I like honestly most of this movie is is my answer to what works for me. Uh, okay, just just different different plot points for me. Like just don't work for me. The romance that that totally doesn't work for me. Oh, Anakin, for sure. Anakin and Padme, it doesn't. I don't. Even even just like the small things, like the whole assassination attempt at the beginning, it's just like why didn't Jango Fett just try to assassinate her himself? Why do you have to? Because uh, then there couldn't be a sweet Doctor No James Bond reference uh, with the little caterpillars. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a reference to the. It's kind of a, a reference to the first James Bond movie. I just always thought that was stupid. It was just like. <laughs> Why, why do you, what What are they doing? And then they chase her for a whole bunch, and then they're about to be like, who do you work for? And then Jango Fett just snipes her from, like, you know, like, three rooftops away. It's like, why couldn't you have just done that in the first place? So, you want to buy some death sticks? That is a great scene. <laughs> uh, that's really good. Anakin and Padme, the love story doesn't work for me. I don't buy that Anakin and Obi-Wan are friends, really. I just feel like Anakin kind of, like... Is just this brash, young, like, whatever, like, I don't care about you, master. And, you know, like, in all the stuff we've heard up to this point, like, you know, in the original trilogy, it's like, Obi-Wan talks about Anakin as, like, he was a close friend. And I don't really, that doesn't really come across like that to me in this film. I'm going to say that's more Hayden Christensen's fault than Ewan McGregor's fault. Yes, I would probably agree with that. But even just the dialogue does not lend itself to, you know... It's like they're 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 doing the car chase, like trying to catch the assassin, and Anakin jumps out of the car, and it's just like, you you know, like Obi Wan's like, oh, I hate it when he does that. It's just like, what, like what, what is that? Like, there's, I don't know, I just don't feel like they're they're friends. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, and especially coming off like when you watch Phantom Menace, like right before it, like Obi Wan doesn't want to train Anakin. It's mm-hmm. very much, it's like he's doing it against his will, and so I felt like this. This film really needed to, like, buff up their relationship, and it just doesn't for me. I just feel like they're at odds with each other, and then Obi-Wan's just like, oh, yeah, peace out, you know, 
go hang out with, you know, Padme and don't do anything stupid, but fall in love and <sighs> yeah, that that's that doesn't work for me. The the thing when Obi-Wan goes to uh, Kamino is pretty cool. I do like that. I like seeing him and not Anakin and uh, like not seeing a lot of the other people, but they just kind of leave that arc open. He he doesn't figure out who we never find out who Master Sifo-Dyas is. Uh, it's Darth Sidious. They never tell us that. There's not a conclusive... I did have to look that up. But yeah, it's Darth Sidious. Well, like, so like, so in canon, it's Darth Sidious who ordered... I don't feel like that comes across in the movie. I don't know if they ever actually clarify that. And so it just kind of feels like, okay, he chased this these people down and the clones are kind of cool. And it's like, oh yeah, it's like Jango Fett and Jango Fett's cool. I wish they would have done more with them, which yes. is another problem I have with this movie. It's just kind of like, okay, we, we, you know, we kind of killed off Boba Fett way too early in, you know, the original trilogy and kind of like it was a throwaway kill. And they did like the same thing here. Worse. They did it worse here. And it's like... At least Boba Fett's in two of those movies. Yeah. At least he like kind of does something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like a lot of the, the cloning stuff doesn't doesn't really work for me trying to man i've like blocked a lot of this movie out i'm trying to okay so then when they get to geonosis um just the 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 whole sequence with anakin and padme just him like being like i have to go rescue my master and like she's like you have to stay with me and whatever i'm just like this is dumb they're trying to keep you out of that area why do you go there but you got that wrong so what happens is she's like, we have to go rescue him. He's just right here. And he's like, no, we can't. And she's like, no, we can and we have to. We're closer than the Jedi Order is. So we'll get there first. And he's like, Obi-Wan, or uh, Mace Windu gave me strict orders to keep you safe. Or yeah. strict orders to stay here. And she goes, no, he gave you strict orders to keep me safe. And I'm going to Geonosis. So it's her idea to go. It's not his. He reluctantly goes. Okay, well, it's just, they go there, it's kind of like a botched rescue, and like... They get captured? Yeah, they get captured, and then, you know, you have like the whole Colosseum scene, which... I don't know, for me, it's just like, the part with the animals and stuff, it just feels unnecessary. Like, what is this, like, Star Wars with Gladiator? And Yeah, we, why not? No! Yeah. No, no. no. I, it's it's way, it's like, it's different and interesting. It's like this, it's different than a space battle. Like, it's way different than ending in this big, like, battle amongst the stars that any other sci-fi franchise, I think, would have. They tried something different and innovative, I feel like. Ah, oh, man. Well, for me, it just does not work. And then, yeah, it's kind of cool to see all the Jedi show up and stuff. That's pretty sweet. And then... I don't know. And then just like the fight with Dooku, it's just Yoda's sweet and that's awesome, but just like I don't know, just Dooku wasn't like a compelling villain to me overall. And I know he's kind of like, you know, the second tier because, you know, you know, Darth Sidious is pulling all the strings and all the political stuff. But it's just I don't know, just the film just I I really don't like it. It's just it's hard for me to get through. It's like, "Oh, we're going to watch Attack of the Clones. Okay, I'm going to go do something else." <laughs> This, I guess there's just multiple things that don't fire for me. Um, you know, the sequence when they're on Tatooine. Mm. It's just, yeah, that's real bad. It's just like, what is that? It's just like, okay, 
we're doing the love story. They're falling in love. Okay, he's gonna have to be. They're gonna have to meet up with like you know Obi Wan and stuff. But wait, we we have to develop Anakin the the dark part of him really quick. So let's just shove in this like ten minute scene where it's just like oh I'm coming back here trying to find my mom. Like yeah the dreams and stuff. And then oh yeah I like slaughtered this whole village. And he comes back and tells Padme that's not a red flag to her. <laughs> yes, I agree. Like the the. Every scene with Anakin and Padme is on my does not work list. Like, I will give you that 100%. It does not work. It's one of the clumsiest things I've seen in any movie ever. And you, and like, you know, we disagreed about, like I said, I feel like the movie centers on them. And you said it doesn't. I see this film as the prequels are kind of like, it's, it's this whole backdrop of like the political like strategy and positioning of like, you know, Darth Sidious and how he becomes the Emperor and stuff. But I do feel like the prequels do focus on Anakin. So I feel like there is a case to be made that he is the main character. And I mean, I feel like Phantom Menace is kind of this weird anomaly, which it's a problem. It's like there's not really a main character. Yes. But in Attack of the Clones, I feel like it is Anakin. And so for... For like... For for his character development to be, like, kind of lackluster and, like, the love story not to work. And it's, like, we're supposed to be seeing him, like, become Darth Vader. I'm not, see like, I'm not sold on that. And so it's, like, the political stuff is cool, but just, like, how they tried to mesh these two things together, they just, they don't work for me personally. Yeah, that's... that's totally valid. Um, I think it's a thing also of like what you choose to put your stock in with this movie. And I choose to put zero stock in that arc. I guess that is a problem. Uh, but, but you know, it's like, yeah. So, But like, I, I, uh, there's so much, so there's so many other cool things happening that I'm mm-hmm. able to be like, that's whatever. Yeah. I'll sit through <laughs> that to deal with like Obi-Wan like busting heads and like getting names for like yeah. who sent you and all that. Like that stuff is so cool to me. And um the 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 in defense of the Dooku fight, yeah. What I think about that is I think it's Lucas trying to put more of a classic um Star Wars lightsaber fight in the movie. Yeah. Because with the Darth Maul fight you have all the acrobatics because Ray Park played Darth Darth Maul and he's a stunt guy and fight choreographer and so yeah and it's he, sweet and it's sweet and then you get all the like the you know two a, a Jedi and a Sith at the height of their power in the third one yeah just like going at it for like twenty five minutes yeah and so I think this was sort of Lucas's way of putting um like pumping the brakes a little bit and not and like realizing he doesn't have to do that in every single one of his movies yeah and so i think that's why it's a little bit slower plus christopher lee's an older guy he's yeah he's uh you know i had a friend tell me that he was he's a gentleman sith you know he's he's a very (laughs) old school type of of um villain a villain and, and type of of warrior and fighter and so you know, you have these kind of two newer school guys having to deal with that. And that's why they get wrecked because they yeah. never had to do that. <laughs> um, and then like Yoda shows up and he gives him a run for his money because that's his old Padawan. Yeah. And so they're both like old school guys going at it. And that's, oh man, that scene when he's like, I've become even more powerful than even you. And he's just like force lightning and Yoda just absorbs it. Yeah. And he's like you've still got a lot to learn and then just goes to town on him with his lightsaber is so cool. Yeah. Oh, that part's so sweet. 
I do find a strange satisfaction in watching that scene and seeing Anakin get his hand cut off. Yeah. It's just like, ah, yes, that's great. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I, and I can see your, your side too of how, like, if you choose not to kind of center these films on Anakin, like how a lot of the other stuff is like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And seeing like how the world, how the emperor is like maneuvering things so he can take power and the mm. political stuff. But I feel like there's a lot of people who are viewing this more in the lens of like Anakin's the main character and a lot of these things are not delivering. And so they're kind of like, oh, I'm thoroughly disappointed. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, fair enough. And I think there is a case to be made that Anakin is the main character. Yeah. And so maybe that is a problem that I'm just choosing to gloss no, over. No. Um, because I, 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 I used that justification for someone earlier of like, you know, um, Brian told me, like, I would have liked to have seen them kind of close the gap or, like, put put in, like, the beginning of the rebellion starting in these movies. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, it's more Darth Vader's story than anything. So, like, yeah. I acknowledge that it's yeah. very much <laughs> the rise of Vader. But I would also argue, now that I'm talking about it more in depth, yeah. not only is it the rise of Vader, it's the way Palpatine manipulates young yeah. Anakin into becoming Vader. And I'm going to bring this up in the third one. There's a case to be made that he's been, he has bred Anakin to become Darth Vader. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that. Um, so really, I think it, it is the story of Vader becoming Vader, mm-hmm. but it also has this lens you can look through of like what Palpatine is doing to ensure that that happens. Yeah. And he really, I mean, he steps it up a lot in the third one to make sure it happens. Yeah. But, I, I, like I said, we'll talk about it when we get to the third one. That There's a case we made that, when I say bread, I mean Palpatine's his dad. <laughs> what? Yep. We'll get into that in the next movie. My mind just got blown right now. Yep. Um. So, so yeah, like, overall, I think I uh, do not like Attack of the Clones. It's probably my least favorite prequel. Yeah, I just feel like, for all the stuff I've said, I feel like everything just doesn't work for me mm-hmm. on so many levels. Technically, you know, stuff like just just the shots and the pacing and the dialogue, which I feel like the second movie has the worst dialogue in all of the Star Wars films. I don't know, man. The third one has some pretty bad dialogue. <sighs> but I don't know. I don't know. Is two the one that has the, I hate sand, it's yep. coarse? Okay. Yep. Yep. And, and then they're like, I killed them all. I, I slaughtered killed- them like animals. Yeah. The women and the... Because ch- that's what they are to be. I hate them. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, just all, like I said, like a lot of the technical stuff and then just some of the story stuff, it just doesn't work for me. And so this is probably why I enjoy it the least, or at least with Phantom Menace, it feels more of like, okay, this is different. There's not really a main character. It's more like... I guess blank slate-ish mm. to me where this is kind of like uh not so much so so yeah those are kind of my my closing thoughts it's like I said I think it's probably down there like the the lowest Star Wars film for me okay yeah it's it's up there for me man like it's right behind all three original trilogies uh. for me like oh man it's so good I love <laughs> this movie a lot uh I, I want to hear what the listeners think about that one. <laughs> People are going to be real mad. There's going to be one person on my side, and that's because I talked to him earlier about it. Uh, 
All right, so does that wrap us up for Attack of the Clones? I think so. Time to cut to another interview. All right. We'll be right back. Shabam. Hey, everyone. Uh, we are here with Mike Moray via Skype. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you, man? Hey, Mike. I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. Thanks uh, for having me on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anytime. Um, you know why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, very, it's, it's, uh, I feel like even if we were just like, hey, we're going to record an episode with you <laughs> or an interview for an episode, you would know exactly why you're here because there's no point in doing any other movie right now. Yep. Nope. Uh, December's pretty much taken up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This, especially by this one movie. Yep. Especially with the, uh, apparent disasters that are 70 millimeter press screenings of, uh, Hateful Eight. Anyway, so we're here to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Uh, we're gonna cut out the rest of that stuff, yes, right? Yeah, we totally are. Um, I okay, expect this cool. one to be the longer, the longest interview. Um, yeah, probably. So yeah, we're here to talk about Star Wars. So to start us off, um, what is your personal Star Wars experience? You know, I can't even track like where it started for me. I think it started with my cousin. Um, who was younger than me by two years, and it's my brother's age. Um, he was really into the Star Wars movies, and I think that like we were over at his house, and like we saw one of them. I can't even remember which one it was, but I was like maybe five or six or something like that. Um, and I can't even tell you if I saw them in the right order. Like, I, I, I all I remember is that like Darth Vader's revelation that he was Luke's father almost made no impact on me because I think <laughs> I saw them. Like, completely out of order. Like, I might have seen Return of the Jedi first, actually. Um, But it's this, they've always been a part of my life. And um, despite, you know, a lot of things that I've grown out of, Star Wars has always just been, like, something that's stuck with me from childhood to today. And I think, you know, the characters stuck with me, the themes stuck with me, um, the music has stuck with me in a way that, like, no other film has ever kind of touched me. So why... This is a question we've been asking everyone. What is it that makes this franchise endure uh, to the point where we're seeing episode seven in almost a week now? Um, yes. You know, we've gotten six movies out of it, and three of them are hated by huge chunks <laughs> of people. And, yep. you know, uh, I think that that would be a franchise killer for anything else. So why why does Star Wars survive that and people are still on a hype train for this new one? Yeah, yeah. I, I, there is a, a difference, I feel like, because there's always something about that universe that screams potential. No matter how you screw it up, like in a particular movie, there's so many stories left to be told because there's so many elements in there that are attractive and, and could be the basis of a good story. And... You can't go and ruin the potential because of something that happened in the past. Because you're always going to be like, there's something else to be said here. You can do something with this character or with this group of bad guys or in this world. And it's, it's that like call for adventure and storytelling that goes and I think kind of makes people, no matter how jaded they are, always come back despite their better uh, instincts, maybe. <laughs> George Lucas, he basically, like, stylistically blended all these things that interested him. You know, he took everything that he liked as a child. And, 
like he just kind of pasted them together and it's like still coherent. Like it doesn't bend, I feel like, the rules of that universe for there to be like a gladiator fight that like transitions into like a Vietnam helicopter rescue that then goes to like a civil war battle. <laughs> this is all describing like the end of episode two, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't feel like a betrayal of its tone. And that kind of like flexibility um, – it's almost like a rubber band, you know, you can stretch it, but like, it still like stays whole. It's, it's that quality that I think is really attractive to people because Star Wars isn't, wasn't something that was just, um, interested in repeating itself. It's, it was always adding something new to the mix. Um, and whether or not those worked occasionally is debatable, but like, I don't feel like the universe ever became stale. I think George Lucas did different things, tried different genres, um, and just took different interests, and he used them in ways that expanded the universe for the most part. There's story decisions I think he made that limited the universe, but we can get into that later. So now, um, looking forward to uh, specifically next week, but from the sound of it, we got years of this crap coming down the line. Uh, but, um, yeah. And I think the tone of my voice should let you know how I feel about that. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we've got, you know, episode seven coming out. Um, it's the first new one in 10 years. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. been a decade yeah. since Revenge of the Sith came out. And, mm-hmm. uh, hype and marketing trainer full speed ahead at this point um yeah even fuller speed ahead because <laughs> i feel like it's been full speed ahead for two years now but so wh- where what do you think about all this like do you think it's a good decision to bring it back do you think it's a smart idea um do you think that the they're doing it justice in the way that they're bringing it back from what you've seen i know you've spoiled yourself a lot on this um, yeah but so so based on what you know mm-hmm. um is it all in the execution do you think that they're they're gonna be okay after this or what so it, without getting into episode seven itself well, let's talk about like at first like things going from here you know which is the yearly assault that we're gonna have of these movies and um that can go either way that aspect of it like I feel like in some ways it's going to maybe reduce the specialness of this series um, by doing that. And I also have to say that I'm not too thrilled about some of the spinoffs that they've announced so far. Like, I don't really care about the spinoff that they've announced to go and describe how they stole the first Death Star's plans. Like, I got everything I needed out of the opening crawl of episode (laughs) four, you know, like it wasn't something I was really like thinking hard and long about like, gee, of all the stories I want to have them tell about Star Wars, I want to hear about how they stole the Death Star plans. Like, who cares? I don't know. They got them, you know. Mm, uh, the only reason I'm going to disagree with you is because I think, uh, like, because you love heist movies. Yes, I think a heist in the Star Wars universe sounds awesome. Yeah. I agree with that. I just wish that it had been done with like a different um, underlying premise. Like I would be definitely down with a heist movie if it wasn't something where I knew the end result was they got the plans. You know, that's like I guess there was a my payoff. problem with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or it just took place in a different time period. I just kind of feel like that um, a new era, a new a new era, a new hope era has kind of been mined a lot. Um, 
and I played like a lot of Star Wars video games and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. like, there's been a lot of video games that have dealt with they stole the plans and whatever and, and that stuff, and they've done it like with different scenarios. So I'm kind of tired of that as a super fan. But I understand, like, for other people, they're not tired of that. They haven't experienced that. Yeah, you know? I mean, that yeah. board game that uh, came out recently, Imperial Assault, that one, uh, the premise of that game mm-hmm. is uh, it's after the Battle of Yavin, and Darth Vader's like, what? And then comes down to Yavin and starts assaulting the rebels there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, there's some, like, cool potential for storytelling, but I always kind of like the uh, idea of, uh, the was the, the video game that was called Shadows of the Empire. Yes, um, yeah. I think that that like the time period between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is a lot more interesting um, than the post New Hope stuff. This, this is super nerdy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that that uh, spinoff doesn't really interest me too much. I can't say I really care too much about the Han Solo spinoff, and then I don't really care too much about the Boba Fett spinoff because. That's that character's a little overrated. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> I think that that's, I think that's the uh, rumor still. Um, oh, okay. I'm yeah. only down with the Han Solo one because of the talent involved. Writing yes. and directing. I, yes, totally like, agree with that. I'm, I, Lord <laughs> and Miller, um, I'm on board with anything they do. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah. have, not only have they not betrayed me, they're two of the best filmmakers working in the business right now. So... Mm-hmm. I think I, I have total faith in that one. I'm way more excited for that than I am Rogue One. Um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I did not think if they were going to announce a Han Solo, a young Han Solo movie, I would be stoked about it. And then they announced that those guys were behind it. And I was like, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're definitely great directors. And, you know, Kazan's going to be writing it. So I think that it will probably be a good movie. I just can't get my, myself hyped about it right now. You yeah, know? Fair enough. Um, and, you know, when it comes down to whatever else happens in the future, I'm not sure. If, if they go and follow up, you know, the, the 7, 8, 9 immediately with like a 10, 11, 12, <laughs> I, think that, I think that would be really bad. Um, yeah. I think they need to kind of give those main trilogies like time to breathe and yeah. kind of percolate in mm-hmm. culture. And that's what made the original ones so good is, you know, it, there's some time. You have some reverence. It means something when they come out. Um, so I'm a little wary about the commoditization of the franchise in a way. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to you know episode seven itself, yeah, I kind of like thoroughly spoiled myself, and um, I think it has the potential to be a good movie. Um, it it just it comes down to partially the execution of it. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. you're I. I assume you're excited about it and you're going to be there. I, you know, oh, I feel yeah. like you're going to see it. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I can I can kind of predict, though, that there's going to be a segment of people who feel like this is going to be kind of a nostalgia rehash in some ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, and whether or not people feel that is going to come down to whether or not J.J. executes on, like, still wringing emotion out of you and doing that in a genuine way um, and not making those plot points in the movie feel like they're just, oh, they're doing this because it's kind of a callback or it's like it's like a previous thing, but they did it differently with a twist, you know? Um, but I mean, like, 
I've, I pretty much know the plot points beat by beat. And I'm pretty like hopeful that they can execute it in the right way. Um, I can just see it kind of maybe going away where it's like grown worthy in some respects as well. Um, but I mean, overall, my default mode is hype, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, I think that JJ is capable of doing that. Um, one, yeah. because I think he's, I think he's capable of putting together a movie. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But I, I also think, uh, based on what I've read, that Vanity Fair interview he did is the best interview I've ever heard him give, uh, about anything he's ever mm-hmm. worked on. I've. I like him. Um, I used to be a pretty big fanboy of him. It's died down a little bit since he disappointed me with Star Trek Two, but <laughs> I, um, I, I, I like him as as a person. He's a likable guy to me. Like yeah. I, I think he um, he kind of exudes enthusiasm in whatever he does. Um, you know, whether it shows up on screen or not, I feel like behind the scenes he's that way. And oh, totally. So I like that. Like I like that he's excited. And but that Vanity Fair interview he did where the like uh that stupid interview guy was just like but also the original trilogy was kind of dumb and ironic and George Lucas was a giant hipster like I am because I'm a douchebag and J.J. <laughs> Abrams was like no what's wrong with you like those are some of the most earnest and honest movies ever made and yeah he yeah. was just like there's room for that and we're missing that like it seems like. It seems like if this movie goes that way, it is not on purpose. <laughs> it's like something went <laughs> yeah. crazy wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you know, one thing that he's he's been saying all the right things in interviews, um, and he keeps on using the word that like the idea that he had when making this movie with Kazan is how do we make this delightful? Like mm. delightful was his main like focus. And I think that's a really like earnest, sincere uh, intention, and I think that he's capable of pulling it off. Like I haven't loved most of his movies, mm-hmm. but I do believe he has one good movie in him, and it is probably a Star Wars movie, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> you know. Um, cool. So I think that's gonna uh, bring us in on this one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for, uh, yes. for uh, dedicating your time to this and. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see what we see when we see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' reactions about it. Yeah, definitely. And we're back. Yeah. And here we are to talk about Keep the Train Rolling and talk about Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. The watchable prequel. (laughs) In parentheses, that's what it says. It's uh, Star Wars Episode 3, colon... Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> parenthetical, <laughs> the watchable pe- prequel. Yep. <laughs> MJ laughs because he knows it's true a oh, little man, bit. That's funny. Uh, um, I don't know. I think it's three years after the events of Attack of the Clones because it's the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah. What we get out of this movie is Anakin and Padme have been secret times married. Yep. At the end of Attack of the Clones. And Count Dooku has kidnapped, or no, 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 I'm sorry, General Grievous, who is the general of the droid army who Mm -hmm. is fighting the clone army in the Clone Wars, has kidnapped Supreme Chancellor Palpatine. Yeah. The thing is, that's not that big of a deal because Supreme Chancellor Palpatine is 
eventually the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> but General Grievous isn't really privy to all that information, I don't think. No. And so he just kind of thinks he did something cool, and really it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But Anakin and Obi-Wan have to go save him. They save him. Uh, Anakin beheads yeah. Count Dooku. <laughs> um, and from there, it kind of sets off this... Uh, chain of events. Chain of events and this, this very... Um, dangerous relationship with Chancellor Palpatine that mm-hmm. Anakin has. And Palpatine strong arms the Jedi Council into allowing Anakin to be a member of the Jedi Council, but they're not going to give him the the title, title. of Master Jedi. Yeah. And so he's like kind of <clears throat> mad about that and and it's just this manipulation of Anakin by Palpatine to mold him into Darth Vader. Yeah. Become the new Sith apprentice and help him execute Order 66, which is the genocide of the Jedi, the Jedi side. And um, maybe don't do puns off such a terrible (laughs) word. Um, That was real insensitive. Um, And, uh, man, I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, Jedi are fictional, but they're people too. Yes. Uh, Genocide, however, (laughs) is very real. So that happens, and then we see the final showdown between um, Anakin and his former master, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anakin has chosen the dark side. He becomes Anakin Jerky and gets turned into... (laughs) Uh, Darth Vader as we know him in the suit. Yep. Um, and the film ends with him and the now, not not just Supreme Chancellor, but Emperor Palpatine looking over the construction of the Death Star. So that's, and thus completes the overall, the overall trilogy of prequels. Um, yes. So take it away. This... This one, like I said, you know, the watchable one. I really, I have a soft spot in my heart for episode three. Um, I was, I was excited to go see it when it came out in theaters. I was in high school, and uh, you know, I bought it on DVD like right when it came out. And I feel like this is what I signed up for um, with the prequels. I signed up for this story, and I feel like. It comes across very much that this is the story that George Lucas wanted to tell. Not like he didn't want to talk about like the stuff that happened in episode one and two, but the story of Anakin really turning into Vader, I really feel like that is the central story that he wanted to focus on. And I feel like that comes across a lot in this film. Um, just things... Things have improved from the last two prequels. I feel like the dialogue has gone slightly better. There is still a lot of Especially in like that last confrontation with Anakin and Obi-Wan, some cringe-worthy stuff. Um, but just overall, I just feel like things have come up. If you look, if you compare like the CGI and the visual effects, like from Episode One, Two, and you get to the third one, it's like substantially better. Yeah. Um, the space fights and stuff look a lot better. Um, the relationships work better for me in this movie. Anakin and Obi-Wan feel like friends. Like, the opening sequence of this movie is, that's what I want in a Star Wars movie. The other two, I can't even remember how Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones open, but I can remember how Revenge of the Sith starts. They're, you know, they're boarding that huge thing to rescue the Chancellor, and, like, 
You know, they have a lot of witty dialogue and banter back and forth. You know, like, Obi-Wan's like, oh, I hate flying. And Anakin's just like, don't worry, Master. I'll I'll do this. And it's like, yeah, it's Hayden Christensen. But it it was like the first time I felt myself, like, liking Anakin. I'm just like, oh, yeah. And, you know, they're they're doing all the stuff, and they get caught in the blast shields. And it's like, blast shields? We're smarter than this. Apparently not. You know, it's just like, I I feel like they're friends now. Mm -hmm. And so that really works for me, um, throughout this whole movie, the stuff with him and Padme, with Anakin and Padme, like, the the horrible, sappy dialogue is toned down in some points. I disagree completely. Anyway. In some points. And so, it, like I said, that last, that last scene is where a lot of the problems show up. But um, it's toned down, so that works better for me. I like, see, what you were talking about, like, Obi-Wan doing in, like, Attack of the Clones, I feel like that's more prominent here, where he kind of goes off and does his own, like, kind of, like, Obi-Wan, super spy type thing. When he goes after Grievous, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that is, but that feels almost more like a, I guess he's the world's greatest detective, but like a Batman thing, where he's just, like, out to get him, like, nothing will stop me. Whereas, in Attack of the Clones, it's more like solving a mystery that's at hand, this one, he's, like, out for blood on someone. yeah. But it, I, I still think it's pretty tight that, you know, Obi-Wan is, like... You kind of get to see kind of, like, Obi-Wan at, like, the height of, like, who he is. You know, like, yeah. the height of his powers. Like, just kind of like, oh, yeah, you are a Jedi Master. And you get to flex more of those muscles in this film. Because, you know, he goes he goes take on Grievous, and then he fights Anakin later. So that works for me. Um, actually, in this one, the political stuff and stuff with Chancellor Palpatine, it works for me in this movie because I feel like it's better handled... I mean, like, yeah, there's some pacing stuff with, like, how quickly Anakin turns and stuff, but there's, like, there's some really good scenes with Anakin and the Emperor, or the Mm. Chancellor, like, when he tells him about Darth Plagueis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, they're they're watching the opera or whatever. I think Mm. that's a really good scene. It, like, builds the lore more about, like, the Sith and the Jedi, but then it's, it's this very, like, personal connection, and a lot of the stuff that he does, um, you know, like putting Anakin, like, secretly on, like, the Jedi Council, you know, but they they won't appoint him, like, you know, to be a master. Stuff like that, like, is really smart, and you get to see more of, like, that manipulation of, like, yes. And that is the very scene I'm talking about, where it's heavily implied that Palpatine is Anakin's father. Really? Yes. Because he tells him this story about, what's his name, Darth Plagueis? Yeah. And he says that Darth Plagueis learned to control metachlorians to the point where he could create life out of them. Yeah. And that he taught his apprentice how to do that as well. And that if Anakin turns to the dark side, he will learn how to do that himself. So to me, that implies that Darth Plagueis was the Sith Master over Palpatine. Yeah. And taught him how to do that. And Palpatine formed Anakin in Shmi's womb out of midichlorians in order to bring him up to be Darth Vader. Really? That's the implication I got from that scene. Um, It could just be a manipulation power play thing that he's doing. See... Because when I when I watch that scene, because he's talking about like how he was able to cheat death, right? Because because mm-hmm. Anakin is just like you know he's like, is it possible to learn this power? And you know he's been having the nightmares about Padme, 
And so I thought he was talking about, like, you know, Darth Plagueis was so wise, but in the end he couldn't save himself. Mm, but he'd mm -hmm. found this way to, like, cheat death. And it's implied kind of that, like, you know, Darth Sidious was the apprentice and he killed his master. But I never read it as, like, the... About, like, you know, him forming Anakin and stuff like that. So that's that's an interesting theory. Um, so, yeah, like, a, a lot of, you know, Palpatine and Anakin, their relationship works. Um, you know, there's there's really cool scenes. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but at the beginning in the opening sequence, when Anakin and Obi-Wan get in there and, um, you know, they're facing Dooku and, you know, Anakin has stupid lines it's like my powers have doubled since we last met oh, Cal yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like oh please stop yeah um but there's there's a really cool scene that it looks like it was purposely framed kind of like to parallel like Return of the Jedi where it's like uh Palpatine is sitting in the chair and Anakin's right there and he has like Count Dooku and Dooku's like I mean and Palpatine's just like do it do it you know like where he decapitates oh, yeah. it and it's very similar to the scene with you know Palpatine's there and like Luke is with the lightsaber and Vader's on the ground and you know and you know Anakin chops his head off and Luke you know like you know that's when he like turns his lightsaber off and he's just like you know he's like I'm a Jedi like my father before me so there's stuff like that that's just really cool that um this movie just does a lot of um and yeah, man, and the final confrontation between him and Obi-Wan, it, you know, some people are like, oh, it's like over-choreographed and it looks like they're dancing or whatever, oh, but yeah. like, it, for me, it works. And I feel like it's the payoff that I've wanted watching this. Like I said, this is the story that I signed up for like when we're watching the prequels, and this is the one I want to see. I want to see like these two guys who finally feel like brothers, finally feel like they like each other, having you know, like, to go at each other. And that's, you know, that's the part I love. As stupid as that, like, last scene, like, when Obi-Wan shows up on Mustafar and, like, Padme's there, and <sighs> that is it's so dumb. It's like, why are you choking your pregnant wife? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> um, but, yeah, it's just, like, you know, the stuff that him and Anakin say, like, yeah, that's where some of the worst dialogue in the film is. But Ian McGregor sells it to me. Yeah. He sells it to me. And, you know, it's just like, man, that's so awesome. And, you know, they were friends and, you know, and, and Hayden Christensen has all these horrible lines. Like, if you're not with me, you're my enemy. Just like, just stupid <laughs> stuff. But from it, my perspective, the Jedi are the ones who are evil. evil. Yeah, it's just like. So, but anyway, it's just like that whole culmination, it works for me. And I really like the setting of Mustafar and, like, that battle. And again, like I mentioned earlier, John Williams' music kicks in. That, um, it's called Battle of the Heroes. Mm -hmm. And he kind of has it interlaced with Duel of the Fates. Yes. And it just works so well. And, you know, it's kind of, you have that battle going on and then Sidious and Yoda. Yes. Um, and so... Just overall, just things in this whole movie just work better for me. Yeah, there, there's things I have problems with, but we'll get to those later. So, those are those are all the things that worked for me. What about you, MJ? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that works in this movie. Um, while uh, Attack of the Clones is my favorite prequel, the best one is this one. Yeah. Um, you know... We'll see this again in the original trilogy. My favorite is Return of the Jedi. The best one is, is Empire. probably Empire. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so so there's there's a big delineation to be made between favorite and best. Yeah. Um, but so this is the one that works the most as a film. Yeah. It's the one that has the least amount of technical problems with it. Um, that dialogue is still real bad. Uh, I kind of kinda secretly love that last scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a scene towards the beginning of this movie where Anakin, I had to text this to my wife. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I didn't remember and I could not believe it. <laughs> Anakin looks at Amidala and he goes, you are so beautiful. Oh, when he, he finds says, out she's pregnant. Yes. Yeah. And she says, this is her response. That's only because I'm so in love. What? Yeah. That is bonkers. But what's even bonkerser is <laughs> the very next line is Anakin goes, No, it's because I'm so in love with you. <laughs> what? What is that? That doesn't mean anything. Those words in that order don't have any meaning to them. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's the worst. And then... <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, it's so bad. Um, however, I will say that many people say that uh, at the end of the movie, they say that Padme dies of a broken heart. Not a line in the movie. That's is it? What? No, that's not in there. That's not in there at all. Well, they say like she's lost the will to live. She, they do say that she's lost the will to live. There's a a fan theory that. Uh, 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 minor sinnings that most people buy into. Um, Robert Mayo sent this to me earlier today. Yeah. Um, and that is that what's happening is the reason they can't explain it is because the Emperor is killing her with the Force. Oh. Um, from wherever they're turning Darth Anakin into Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, and that's why he tells vader that she's dead because he knows because he's the one that killed her oh, okay. and by killing her it ensures that vader is in the palm of the emperor's hand yeah so i actually am willing to buy into that theory a whole a whole lot yeah um it's very poorly implied <laughs> yeah the film would not you couldn't gather that from the film yeah without reading very heavily into it but yeah. i also do think that if you do read very heavily into it it makes a lot of sense um anyway so what does work for me is I like this movie's much smaller than the other two. The other two mm -hmm. have a lot of uh, planet hopping. This one doesn't as much. It only takes place on Coruscant, uh, uh, Mustafar, Mustafar, and Utapau or Utapu or whatever, where General Grievous is, and the Wookiee planet. Oh, and Kashik. Yeah, yeah. And I like that because it, it's. It's a culmination of th these characters' journeys. Yeah. And so rather than a physical journey, it's their emotional journey. So there, there are all these really great emotional payoffs in this movie. Yeah. And they pay <clears throat> off big. They pay off really, really well. And I think that has a lot to do with Lucas being a big idea guy like yeah. we were talking about. Yeah. He had this overall arc set in place. And so when it comes time to pay off that overall arc... It does it well. It's a very satisfying conclusion to all these stories. Yeah. It's marred by a little hokiness. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, that's real stupid. Yeah. <laughs> real stupid. One of the dumbest things in any movie ever. Um, but 
the payoff itself is satisfying enough to where it's like, well, that was dumb, but yeah. I understand the weight behind it. Um, you know, the face off at the end between master and, and yeah, uh, master and master really like yeah. they're both at the height of their powers. They're equals. Now we've seen him go from a child mm. into this, uh, you know, not a good man, but into a man and a whiny adolescent man. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> well, and also just like an evil man. And, yeah. and so we see him at the height of like, he said, my powers have doubled. Like you can tell he's a better fighter. He's a yeah. better warrior. He knows how to pick his battles better. He knows when to fight, when to let it go until it becomes a matter of pride. Yeah. Right. He's mostly got it down, but once you start screwing with his pride, yeah. then it all goes downhill. And that's what ultimately is his tragic flaw that leads to him becoming Vader. And I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, also there's the thing that Vader means father in German, which means, and Darth means yeah. dark. So he's dark father, which means two things. One, that he's the dark father of Luke Skywalker. Luke. Yeah. And his father is the dark father in what I'm going to say is still Palpatine. Yeah. So, and Palpatine's the one who gives him that name. Like, it's a very arrogant thing for him to give him that name. If he is the father of him. Yeah. Because he's telling you, like, your father is a Darth, right? Yeah. Um, is a Sith. So that's, like, that all really works for me. That opening scene is great when they're flying in. Yeah. And, like, like you said, you feel like they're friends. And one of the reasons I think it was such a smart choice was to give them their own individual ships and they're flying in sync with each other. Yeah. And it, like, that's a subtextual implication that they are in step with one another. Yeah. Like, they see eye to eye because they're mirroring each other's maneuvers. Yeah. And to watch that, like, go <clears throat> from that at the beginning of the movie to break down and end up where it is is really cool. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And they have, like... Like, they have kind of, like, touch points of that. Like, another scene that's kind of like that is when they say goodbye when Obi-Wan is going to track down Grievous. Yes. And they kind of have their last conversation as, like, you know, Anakin's all, like, bent out of shape about the council. Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan's like, you're just as good of a Jedi as I am. Just be patient. Like, you know, you will be a master. You're yeah. better than, like, I could ever be. Yeah. Yeah, and he even apologizes to him, and he's like, I've been really arrogant lately, yeah. and I haven't appreciated your training, and I just wanted to say thank you. And he, it's the first time he tells him, may the Force be with you. Yeah. Um, you know, which puts them on equal footing. Yeah. And it kind of catches Obi-Wan off guard, and he's just like, may the Force be with you too, old friend. You know, yeah. like, it, it feels like they're buddies. Um as much as I hate General Grievous as a character, I think he's totally <laughs> useless and kind of stupid. I know. Um, he's so bad. Uh, the showdown with him is also very stupid, but there's one little moment that I love, and it's when uh, he pulls out his four arms, like Goro from freaking Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And he starts spinning his two arms, and they're, like, cutting <clears throat> into the floor. There's this shot where the look on Ewan McGregor's face is just like, I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. Like, I have no idea how to process what's going on there. And it's it's a really funny shot. Um, Grievous's death is really brutal. Yeah. Really brutal. Um, Anakin's death is kind of brutal, too. This was the first PG-13 Star Wars. So, was it? Yeah, it oh, was. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. We're like, we're going to see some stuff happen in yeah, this one. Yeah. You know, watching him burst into flames is real weird. Yeah. Like, it's kind of gross. It's kind of jarring. It's yeah. Like, what? It really is. And then there's other kind of dumb stuff that happens in this movie, too. Like, Padme gives birth to Luke and Leia, 
And they're like, Yoda and Obi-Wan and Bail Organa are sitting around saying, well, the kids have to be separated until all this kind of blows over. Yeah. And Bail Organa goes, uh, my wife and I will take the girl. We've always talked about how we wanted to adopt a daughter. And I was just like, you want to call your wife on that one, bro? Like, yeah. <laughs> you just want to dial her up real quick and make sure that you guys are ready. Like, I understand that yeah. financially you probably are because you're like yeah. the leaders of Alderaan. But maybe just run this one by. Like, that's not yeah. like, hey, you know how we've always talked about adopting a puppy? I've got a surprise for you. Yeah. It's way different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, like, that's really weird. Yeah. Um, and then someone else pointed out, like, why does Obi-Wan not recognize R2-D2 in the later movies? Yep. See, that's, that's again, like, what we mentioned earlier. I just feel like... Lucas is a big idea guy, and so small details like that slip through the cracks, and it's kind of like you can't do anything to the original trilogy, so it's like you have to make sure that stuff is correct in the prequels, or there's some explanation, yeah. and there's this, unfortunately, like a lot of those things that slip through the cracks. Like, But you it's know. weird because then there's a lot that don't, because like they say... Yeah. C-3PO gets his mind wiped. Like, yeah. they're, like, wipe the mind of the of the protocol droid. Yeah. So, like, there's a reason why he doesn't remember anything. Yeah. Um, or no, he's from Tatooine when they go back to Tatooine. Or, does, or why does R2, like, you know, like, forget how to, like, use his rocket jet yeah. and stuff? Like, Suddenly, what? He uses them one time ever. Yeah. And then never again. It's bonkers. I don't understand that either. But... Or, like, you know, Leia in Return of the Jedi when she's just, like, or... Whenever she talks to Luke about that, it's just like, oh, just, you know, like, what does she say? Memories or, like, feelings or something. When when Luke is like, what do you remember about your mother? Oh, yeah. And it's like, and, and some people have defended that. Well, it's like, well, Leia can use the Force, and so it's like, that could be a valid thing. But it's just, I feel like they could have just done some things in that last scene with Padme. Just to, like, tighten it up so there, it's just, it's more in line with, you know, the original trilogy yeah, yeah, that's true. But I th- feel like that's also very nitpicky. Yeah. Um, so I think as far as what doesn't work, the dialogue is really the only thing. <laughs> um, you know, and we've covered a lot of that. This movie works on a lot of levels, and it's a it's a very yeah. satisfying end to the overall story. And it feels like a journey. Like, yeah. you know, it feels like we've come a long way from Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan sitting in the, uh, in the, the conference room of... Wherever they are. Of wherever they are. <laughs> uh, of the Trade Federation ship outside of Naboo. We've yeah. We've come such a long way um, politically and emotionally with these characters. And it feels it feels like a true cap to an epic story. Like, the story feels big. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's just kind of like, it's the payoff that we've all wanted to see in this story. And even though it's kind of like, oh, yeah... Darth Vader and like Anakin like basically like loses it's like it's it's what we've all wanted to see we want to see him transform and it's still kind of like good wins over evil and it's kind of like this tragic arc that you know we've all wanted to see play out and we finally get to see it delivered on yeah and so that's why you know I think this movie has a lot of technical things going for it but I think like at the heart of it that is why I think it's the best of the prequels yeah yeah that's that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I would agree, um, even though my favorite's not that one. <sighs> Revenge of the Sith, man. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just not as good as Attack of the Clones. Oh, no. 
<laughs> no. I don't think we've ever disagreed this heavily on a movie. Uh, uh, I know, but sorry, I, I cannot. I can't. <laughs> but yeah, Revenge of the Sith is good. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have... Like, I don't really have anything that doesn't work. I mean, we've touched on it. The dialogue and that, that you know, like some small pacing issues, but mm. it's just kind of like, uh, well, you know, it's it's a lot better than the other two, like in the technical stuff. And so yeah. it's just, it's good. Yeah, it is. It's a good movie. Um, There's one small thing I want to touch on that's just stupid. Uh, yeah. I really like that, like. Yoda and Chewie are like bros in this yeah. movie. Like, there's like a scene where he like climbs up Chewie and like rides on his shoulders and yeah. stuff. It was like sweet. And then it made me wonder if like he ever found out that Luke trained with Yoda and he was like, "What, Yoda? I haven't seen that dude in ages. We were homies back in the day." Like, just super yeah. stoked that uh, Luke got to meet Yoda. I don't know. That'd be that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. they have that like when Yoda leaves, he's just like goodbye, Chewbacca. Yeah, I will miss you. Yeah, and it's just like ah, oh, that's so good. It is. It's real adorable, actually. And then like when he's leaving is the first time that John Williams puts Yoda's theme in the prequels. So oh. like when he's leaving Kashyyyk, mm-hmm. and it's just like oh yes, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. All right, that does it for that. All right. Uh, I'm sure people are very upset. Yes. <laughs> it's a very interesting take on the prequels you may have not heard before but you may have not heard people who like them before yes so or who who claim love for any one of them let alone episode two yes i i, I still can't get that through my head but that's okay it's all right that's okay we're so, all friends here yep so if you liked it, uh, let us know. You can subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud, like, comment, leave us a review on all those places. Yep. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Before and After Pod. That's at Before, the letter N, After Pod. Um, like us on Facebook. Uh, email the show, Before and After Show at gmail.com. And just let us know what you think. This, yeah. is, a, this is a big, big podcast. So uh, I'm sure you have some <laughs> thoughts and I would like to hear them. Yes, we really do. So... I think with that, we are out of here, right? Yes, indeed.